0: I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. Today, we conclude our Dating App Wars series. You know, almost one in three relationships start as online encounters, despite the scandals over user data privacy, anti-gay Facebook posts, and sexual harassment allegations. I'm looking at you, Grindr and Bumble. But the popularity of dating apps isn't surprising with so many to choose from. From niche apps like Bristler for people who have and love beards, to household names like Tinder. well, Just about anyone can find an app that suits them. In fact, COVID-19 may even be boosting dating app use. Match Group, the parent company of Tinder, Plenty of Fish and Hinge, seems to hold the monopoly on dating apps, and that hasn't really changed since the world went on lockdown. Last week, Match reported that it beat Wall Street's forecast of $520 million, with second quarter earnings of $555 million. For more on how COVID has changed online dating and how apps are adapting more generally, we're talking with Ashley Carmen. She is a senior reporter covering dating apps for The Verge. And you may recognize her voice because Carmen is also co-host of The Verge's Why'd You Push That Button podcast. And she's going to tell us which apps are thriving and what they've been doing right. That's all coming up next. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies Advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world, with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. Ashley Carman, welcome to Business Wars.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I suppose we should start by addressing the elephant in the room, which is uh, COVID-19. So has social distancing been good for dating apps or bad for them?
1: You know, strangely, I think when the pandemic started, at least my first reaction was, oh, you know, dating is going to go on pause. A lot of people were kind of extreme about it, saying, I'm not going to go on any more dates. I'm single. I'm going to stay single for the foreseeable future. And all of this sucks. Uh-huh. We've actually really seen happen is the dating apps have sort of taken off and found renewed success because of the pandemic. And people are really taking advantage of the virtual opportunities they have online. And so ultimately, the pandemic has proven to be really good for dating apps and ultimately dating apps bottom lines.
0: Now, that's interesting. And I I suppose I would be remiss in not asking a uh, logistical question. How do you do dating apps when you're not actually able to socially interact or... Maybe you can help me understand how this is supposed to work.
1: Yeah. So obviously dating apps, many of them use swiping, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's just this idea that you're matching with someone virtually, having a conversation virtually in normal times and during the pandemic. So that part of the dating app scene still is applicable now. But what we've really seen change is how the dates happen, because most people are dating online with the intention of moving offline and making it an IRL relationship. So what we've seen really change is sort of the adoption of video dating, really going on dates through video chats, and also taking advantage of other virtual features. We've seen a ton of dating apps introduce new features, like for example, Tinder introduced trivia, and apparently they're experimenting with other in-app games. We've seen voice notes launch. We've seen something called Ship Party in an app called Ship, where people can invite their friends and family, to swipe for them as a group. So it's kind of like an activity to do together. People are really throwing everything against the wall, all in the name of making dating a virtual activity, finding things to do online versus having to meet up in person.
0: Tinder has something like uh, in-app trivia games and that sort of thing. Just basically things people can bond over, right?
1: 100%. What's really interesting is I actually spoke with the former CEO of Tinder, Ellie Seidman. He actually just left the company very recently. But when I spoke to him, it was in the middle of the pandemic. And he noted that one of the things that Tinder specifically has done is launch something called global mode, which effectively gets rid of all physical borders. So if I'm in the US, I could be matching with someone in Italy, in Russia, wherever Hmm. Tinder operates. Uh And with that, you have to kind of find this common shared language and oftentimes that's cultural language. Mm-hmm. And with Tinder, what they're doing is really experimenting with this idea of in-app hanging out sort of like Fortnite. He specifically referenced Fortnite where people are online just hanging out so what tinder's trying to do is give you something to talk about and talk about when you match so if they did pioneer this a little bit with swipe night which is an interactive sort of choose your own adventure game they had an app uh-huh. and that was renewed for a second season but the idea really is that oh i saw you just made a choice in this sort of choose your own adventure game I find that to be a really weird choice. So I can message you and be like, Oh, how did you do that? And maybe we can make a match. And that at least kicks off the conversation where we can start moving into other territory. And it, it becomes more important as you start matching with people who are maybe outside your immediate vicinity.
0: It's fascinating. This sort of reminds me of the kind of connections that people make, especially in the video game community. People will be on Discord and suddenly you've got, I don't want to say matches being made, but there is some kind of something that can sometimes happen. And I wonder if there's a similar dynamic that's happening with these dating apps.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think if you go specifically with Swipe Night, which was, hasn't been going on during the pandemic because it actually requires voice actors and different things and yeah. musicians to come together. So They haven't been able to refill it. But in the past, what we've seen with Swipe Night is really you are going through a shared experience. And that is something that people are able to talk about and feel bonded over.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let's step back from the COVID period for just a minute. Let's talk about which dating apps seem to be getting the most use right now and which ones are kind of struggling to stay in the game. If you look at the industry overall, what would you say?
1: Interestingly, you know, when I was thinking about this kind of question of who's doing well, who's not doing well. I looked into a lot of the earnings reports of the companies that are public, like Match, for example, and Meet Group, and sort of trying to pick up some trends there. And all of them seemingly are doing really well right now. People are online more than they ever have been, as far as dating apps go, and probably generally too. And people are really wanting to meet new people. Where I think we could see some struggle, but interestingly, I've also seen a pivot, is apps that are really focused on in person meetups. So, for example, There was an app that was pretty popular in New York called Bounce, and the idea behind it was that you would go online and say, I'm ready tonight to go on a date, and it was like everyone went online at the same time, and you had to find your match within a certain window of time, and the idea was that that person you matched with, you're going out tonight. The chat window disappears eventually. That's it. You have to meet up tonight at this one place. You know, I figured, okay, they must be struggling because that's the whole point of the app, And they even took this opportunity to pivot to video dates. So instead of, you know, meeting up in person, it's okay. You have this window of time, but you're meeting up for a video date. So I think that a lot of places are really trying to change up the app, find ways to speak to people that, you know, a lot of what you can do in person, you can do online too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the fact that of course, Tinder is huge and it has largely been seen as the one to sort of, Pick off, but as we've been uh, exploring in the course of our Business Wars series on dating apps, Facebook dating entered the picture and it became a real wild card just because of the billions of people who are already on the Facebook platform. Do you have a sense of how well Facebook dating is doing?
1: I wish I did. I really hmm. wish Facebook would even talk a little bit about it because we haven't heard a beep about Facebook dating really since they debuted it. Every so often they make some changes, but they, they really don't give us a hint of how well it's doing. They um, did also launch video dating earlier this year during the pandemic for Facebook dating. So they too are acknowledging that yes, we have to kind of make some adjustments here.
0: Interesting. And perhaps, I don't know whether we should read the relative silence as a signal of some sort, but I guess you could read it one of any number of ways. While we're on the subject of how some of these dating apps are doing, any sense of how Bumble, um, Bumble I assume, is is rather huge? At least that's the sense that I've been hearing and reading.
1: Yeah, Bumble actually just recently announced that they have 100 million users. Now, I will say that that you know, we don't, we don't know if that's daily active users, monthly active, whatever, like as many accounts as they've ever had. That is a very significant number, of course. And they have told us that they too are really having a lot of success during the pandemic. They're, Video feature, which they were ahead of the curve on, I have to say, they launched a video a video feature a while back, way before the pandemic. They said that was getting more use than before, ever before.
0: Well, we're talking a lot about the winners, and I'm thinking this is a space where there's been a whole lot of combat in the past year or so. What about those apps that have not been thriving? Do you have any sense of? of how many people are entering this space or how many companies are entering this space and perhaps trying to figure out what the ones that are winning are doing right and the others perhaps are not?
1: The thing about the dating space is that it's very easy to launch an app. Theoretically, it's beyond easy. I mean, you could just code an app and put in the app store in the Google Play store and people download it and hey, there you go, you have a dating app. But what's hard about launching a dating app, and this might be where we see some struggle, is that people want to go where there's other people. You don't want to go on a dating app that has no one. We don't hear much about the smaller dating apps just because it really is something that you gain more clout the more people that are on it. So just colloquially, as a journalist, I do receive a lot of pitches from different dating apps. So I think there are probably a lot out there that are trying to make it, but Without the backing of a big company like Match, for example, I think it might be a little bit difficult to to succeed.
0: Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. As you're probably aware, there's one of the bigger apps has had a rather rough go of it over the past few years, Grindr which was huge and probably still is uh, one of the uh, big players in the dating app world. It was bought by Kunlun, which was a Chinese social gaming company in 2016. And then there were questions about national security, and Kunlun was forced to sell it. And then there were a lot of questions about how the app was actually run and by whom. Uh, There was Scott Chen's Facebook post about marriage being between a man and a woman and that sort of thing. What about Grinder, do do all of these things that are going on in real life? Do do those affect the health of these apps, or is something like Grinder still going strong?
1: I, I would love to say that I think it does affect the health, but I do think sometimes, especially with Grinder, Grinder is such a unique app that really serves such a specific audience mm-hmm. that. I don't know how much it really affected them. I think, you know, probably they lost some users, but uh, I still hear plenty about Grindr and I know plenty of people who use Grindr, so I can't imagine it made a huge dent in their usership. But I will say when we're talking about apps that are struggling, I am very curious how Grindr users are adjusting because I know when the pandemic started, there were a lot of pieces written by Grindr users saying that people were still trying to meet up during the pandemic, and they were like, hey, we're supposed to be social distancing. So Uh that's a good example of an app where it's really in-person focused. I mean, it's based off of location and the idea that you're very close to someone you might want to hook up with. So that's one where, you know, I don't know, but it's possible they could be seeing a little bit of a decline in their user base.
0: You know, it takes, it strikes me, a certain amount of, well, at least what might, uh, maybe 20 years ago, might have been considered bravery on the part of some of these users, because, you know, you're meeting people that you might not know, even though you have a little bit of information about them. And just thinking about um, privacy concerns here. You know, you have a company like Grinder, which is uh, purchased by an outside firm. And so with that purchase goes a lot of your information. We were talking a little bit earlier about Facebook dating, and it's in a kind of a Facebook black box right now. We don't know exactly how well it's doing, but they sure do have a lot of personal information And I wonder, do you think that users care about how these apps are using their data? Or is it all about, in a sense, the moment or all about making that match?
1: I would hope people do care, especially I know with Grindr, there was a big story about the fact that many users had disclosed whether they were HIV positive, which is highly sensitive information. And one, you know, for example, if you're a government worker in the military or something, and... Grinder. this was kind of the thing that people were saying is, oh, well, they were bought by a Chinese firm. If they know whether, let's say, military personnel or HIV positive, that could be a security risk or used for blackmail or something like that. And, you know, I, I tend to find people don't really think about their data all that much. But for many of the apps, privacy and data has become kind of a talking point. They really try to emphasize that data is safe and secure with them. We can only take them at their word, but as we all know, things tend to go wrong sometimes. So, and, and even unintentionally, they might go wrong. Just there's a bug in the app and something is exposed. But I do think people need to be aware that if you're sharing personal information specifically, maybe around sexual preference or anything like that, it is probably sensitive information you don't want out there. And maybe it's just something you might want to really think twice about before sharing.
0: Ashley, um, I don't want to ask a a question that's quite too personal, but I'm just curious about this since this is a space that you've explored for some time. How did you get interested in dating apps to begin with?
1: Well, I have used dating apps for quite some time. I'm no longer on them, but I remember when Tinder came out in 2013 or so. I was Uh on Tinder in New York City, and it's so funny to think back because back then when I used Tinder – You would run out of people. It would say, Oh, well, we're looking for new people to show you. Uh, Check back soon. (laughs) Like, this was way back when. Now, I don't even think you can reach the bottom of Tinder. I have no clue. But, you know, I just think what people do online is so interesting and the decisions that we make online and human behavior is fascinating to me and specifically in the relationship and dating space. So, naturally, I was drawn to it.
0: Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. We were talking a little bit earlier about nowadays, you know, the barriers to entry in this space are so low. Anyone can, you know, create an app. Um, since you have some experience with it, do you see a big gap that is not being served by some of these dating apps? Or uh, do the bumbles and, and, and grinders and tenders of this world pretty much have the landscape covered?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I mean... It's so hard because I feel like I really do feel like we have a lot of niche, apps. <laughs> yeah. but I really do feel like we kind of have an app for everything. And also the mechanisms are really interesting too. like this app ship. That's a group dating app. So, you know, there's one where it's like my mom wants to find my future husband or wife she can do the swiping for me or my friends can do it because they think they know better. So even that was a really new and interesting mechanism that it it came out of an organic behavior because tons of people, especially if you're in a relationship, let me see your Tinder, let me swipe for you. And this was kind of like, oh, well, naturally we should have an app that lets you do that. So I, I am constantly surprised by how apps develop. And I will also say part of what we're really seeing in the dating space now is this expansion of dating apps globally. Match group has made a really big deal out of this and they, they are working very hard to bring dating apps around the world. And sometimes that even involves having to educate different cultures in cultures where there's arranged marriage, for example, or a caste oh, right, system, right. Uh-huh. you know, this requires in the U S we're used to this concept of dating, but abroad in some places it's, it's not as popular. So I think we're entering a stage now where actually the dating apps maybe are developed, but what, needs to sort of change or what they're trying to change, I guess, is the culture and the norms around dating.
0: As we pull back, once all of this pandemic, COVID-19 is over, once restrictions are limited and social distancing is a thing of the past, do you see app users' behavior changing? Do you think they'll stick to meeting virtually first and, you know, maybe for longer periods of time or will they be sick of staying at home? What do you think?
1: It's funny because before the pandemic happened, I had actually been looking into a piece about video dating because I heard this from a lot of people I know in LA. My, my theory is that it was because of the traffic. <laughs> people were doing these sort of video screeners before their dates because they just wanted to make sure it was someone they wanted to go out with. And that to me just seems like something that would have saved me at least as a dater a lot of time because there's times where you go on a date and Within one second of walking into the bar or wherever you're going, you're like, yep, I want to turn around. Like, I absolutely want to turn around. If you could just have the video call, even if it's a 10-minute call, five-minute call, where you're just like, okay, you look normal, you sound normal, we seem to be getting along well well enough to be able to do a date. I think that might make sense, and I think it could go – forward. I also think because COVID-19 is going to not, it's not going to go away magically one day. It's going to peter out hopefully over time. So I think people are always going to kind of keep in mind how much they want to expand their social circle. So I could see the video dating sticking around at least a little bit after the pandemic, just because it's top of mind.
0: Ashley Carman is a senior reporter covering dating apps for The Verge, and she is co-host of The Verge's Why'd You Push That Button podcast. Ashley, thanks so much for taking a few minutes out to talk with us on Business Wars.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. This is great.
0: From Wondery, this is Episode 7 of Dating Apps Wars for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. In the episode notes, you'll find some links and offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support them. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey, and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. I'm your host, David Brown. Audrey No produced this episode. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Our producer and editor is Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery.
2: Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow celeb news fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, join us on Rich and Daily. Because we don't just listen to the rumor mill. We give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music. Or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.